0: Hey 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 beautiful humans, it's the juice queen here, delivering all those ooey gooey drippy topics that will leave you simply drenched in curiosity and connection. So let's vibe over, you know, that juice, shall we? My name is Milo Mandolfo, and my sole mission is to make you feel seen, heard, valued, and validated in such a way that you remember who you truly are, and in that, you're never alone. This is a soft, safe, and sassy place where all of you is welcome. So come up, let's dive in. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to Dancing the Duality. What do I mean by Dancing the Duality? Okay, feel me here. Do you blast gangster rap on the way to your yoga class? (laughs) Or masturbate as a form of meditation? Do you put $100 bills on your altar and write in a manifestation journal before going to work at the strip club? Do you shop and eat fully organic but indulge on Taco Bell at 4 a.m. after a long night out? In this episode, we explore how existing within both sides of duality makes us truly whole humans and how removing shoulds, shame and judgment gives other people permission to do the same. I often feel like a walking paradox and I've been told on more than one occasion that my personality often surprises people. We are all often put into boxes of expectations, especially when it comes to things such as sexuality, spirituality, status, materialism, religion, health, and so on. Once people have an idea of what they think you are, whether subconsciously or not, they tend to confine you into that particular box. Instead, I like to perceive the human experience as a sort of Venn diagram um, or perhaps a flower of life if you're into like um, sacred geometry which is just a bunch of overlapping circles. And when you place two um, circles halfway on top of each other, there's a little common area, right? That little sliver in between. And within that sliver are our core beliefs, right? And that's what we share with the people around us, but also within our own personalities. Each person has different interests, beliefs, experiences, passions, preferences, etc. that make up their unique diagram of their unique reality, which translates into their personality. And this diagram is ever expanding and shifting moment to moment as we evolve. So that's where that flower of life, um, you know, Symbol comes in because you can have the Venn diagram of just the two circles But when you have all these overlapping circles That describes who we are as people in this in this metaphor It looks like the flower of life which in sacred geometry is the equation of life And I just want to share that the circles Have no obligation To stay the same So again We are ever expanding as we evolve and there's no obligation for our diagram, for our personality, for our humanness to remain rigid. Life is a spectrum of experience and we all reside on a particular part of that spectrum at any given time. Again, it is not rigid and we can call this spectrum duality, hot, cold dark, light, up, down, big, small, soft, hard. These are all examples of duality, right? Dual meaning two. So here are these two opposing concepts and within that spectrum are infinitely many variations of it. So for example, on the spectrum of black and white, right? So black on one side and white on the other side of the spectrum, if you're envisioning like two dots creating a line, Along that line are varying shades of light and dark gray, right? So from white, we go to light gray, all the way into darker grays to black. So this is just a general example of duality upon a spectrum. Most of us reside within the spectrum of duality on most things. Versus, so what I mean by that is we reside within the grayness of the spectrum versus a concrete radical end of either side, right? Okay, so another example I love is sexuality. You have maybe heterosexual on the one side and then completely homosexual on the other. But within that spectrum, within that line are many variances of bi and pan curiosity, Also, we talk about all like, you know, what this spectrum looks like in the sex as play episode, if you want to go back and check that one out. I know plenty of pan and bisexual humans who are open to various types of play, so on that spectrum again, but perhaps they do lean to one side of the spectrum when it comes to partner preferences and so on. There is no right or wrong way to be attracted to people. We just simply exist on the spectrum, wherever that may be. And again, our curiosities and preferences may shift over time. Like I know plenty of people who, you know, in their younger years were by curious or, you know, just curious in general on the spectrum. And then they experimented and explored. And then they kind of figured out where they landed on that spectrum. And now they have a more concrete spectrum I also know people who thought they were very concrete on this spectrum and then as time developed they realized they were super fucking flexible on that spectrum our curiosities and our preferences are flexible usually we have no obligation to one gender or sexual orientation. I personally believe that almost all humans are along that grayness on the sexual spectrum but haven't been given the language or permission to explore where they reside on it, especially in this cisgendered centric heteronormative world that we live in. So while we're on the subject, sex is a great example of something often deemed taboo right? In some cultures, it's even considered wrong or sinful. So on the spectrum of sin, sinfulness and purity, or light and dark, sex is often pushed towards the perception of dark, right? Like if a person, especially a woman, is sensual or in touch with her sexuality, She is often perceived as dirty or promiscuous, impure, lacking integrity, perhaps attention-seeking, and so on. This is an age-old confinement and obviously an age-old judgment, which clearly has no backing and seems to stem from a religious and or, again, patriarchal lens that aims to control and confine women, let's be honest. Nothing is more powerful than a sexually empowered human, regardless of the body. Sex is creation. Sex is power. To me, sexual prowess is our motherfucking birthright. Pleasure is our birthright. And orgasms, the, the sensation of an orgasm, like eyes rolling back, fucking <laughs> blissed out, pleasure that's you that's the closest you get to god in this life in my opinion orgasms and pleasure bring us closer to divinity itself right closer to bliss and you know in in the vedic terms closer to samadhi when we shamelessly explore our bodies and the pleasure that comes along with it we are closer to source closer to god Whatever. Because sex is the creation of life itself. There is a reason our procreation organs are the most sensitive and pleasure-filled parts of our bodies. And it's because we are meant to enjoy creation. And yet again, in terms of duality, let's go back to that for a second. So there's on one side of the spectrum, excuse me, when we're on one side of the spectrum indulging in sexuality right totally shameless unapologetic exploration of sexuality there's that there's that over there and then perhaps on the other side of the spectrum is abstinence right in the terms of duality abstinence is just as much of of a powerful tool of self-reflection and empowerment there is no right or wrong here We all just get to explore shameless observation of abstinence and indulgence and see what works for us when it does or doesn't work for us at any given time. All of it is worthy and sacred and true. Another common spectrum we love to cast judgment on is mind-altering substance and plant medicines, aka drugs. When I say drugs, I literally mean anything from weed to caffeine to mushrooms, LSD, tobacco, and anything and everything in between. For many years in America, which then trickled down into the rest of the world, the quote, war on drugs really tainted the realm of uh, mind-altering substance. Despite the fact that most substances have been literally growing out of the ground for millennia, and used in ancient ritual by indigenous cultures worldwide. I've personally never been a big fan of tobacco. It just has never been my thing. I don't appreciate the impact it's had on our society's health, both physically and mentally. And I personally often feel sick, like physically sick by even just the smell of it. So I developed a pretty rigid perception of cigarette smokers early on that I still to this day have trouble not projecting on others. And so let's go back to that spectrum metaphor and use use it simply as a spectrum of good or bad, like, you know, how, you know, we use it with the sex example, like oftentimes sexually empowered people are viewed as wrong or bad or impure or whatever. If we're going back to that spectrum, I... I might have put cigarettes and tobacco and so on down there on the spectrum of bad in my little mind, okay? Um, And keep in mind that we typically associate sex, religion, fucking drugs or whatever on the spectrum due to our upbringing, due to our environment. um, That's projected onto us that gets programmed into us, and then we operate from that lens. Um, So I put cigarettes on that side of the spectrum. Um, And most mind-altering substances, regardless of what they are, regardless if they've been around for millennia and have sacred use and so on, are often categorized as bad or wrong or a sin or whatever. So anyway, yeah, I put tobacco on that side of the spectrum and I was attached to that perception. But let me share some examples that led me into breaking that rigidity. So I was on like my my healing journey. I was like tapping into just a little spiritual awakening journey that I was going through. I said kind of started in like... Um, I'd say like 2012 or so, and like I'm like so I'm on this journey, um, and like now I'm along the journey, and I would say that as we're talking about duality, when we first get into our spiritual journeys, we become super lit off of it. We become super stoked off of it, and we become in a way super committed, aka rigid, to these practices that are working for us. <clears throat> So I was kind of like on this rigid path. I was like 100 hours deep into this meditation practice. 100, no, 200 hours deep into my yoga training. I was, uh, you know, spending time at an ashram for two months doing volunteer work. I was doing this. I was fucking doing that. I was on this spiritual journey. Okay. And I still fucking am. I'm just trying to describe where I was in this fucking moment. So I'm on the spiritual journey. I'm really in the thick of it. I'm really like, um, committed to certain practices like yoga and vegetarianism and like, so on and so forth, meditation, whatever. Um, I was prescribing, I'm sorry, subscribing to certain practices and beliefs at that time. And they were obviously benefiting me and working for me. Well, i was traveling around india at the time and i found myself in a small village called pushkar which is very mm, spiritually charged it had this whole story about brahma who came to this sacred lake that's still there and so brahmins are like like the highest caste in india and they're like spiritual priesthood vibes Um, I was led by a Brahmin on a hike up this mountain and to visit a Baba, which is basically like a little, like a guru, like a guru who meditates on the mountain for like the most of the day and like people bring them food and water up there. So we went up there, he brought me there and, um, I was asked with these three men and we're all like in lotus positions sitting like in meditative stance. If I wanted to share a, a, a cigarette, like a hand rolled tobacco, local tobacco cigarette. And typically, right, I would typically not be interested in that at all. But in my mind, like in this experience, I'm like, well, damn, like if these guys. If, of course, I want to fucking do this. Like if these guys, this guy who's been sitting in meditation for fucking 12 hours of the day is literally offering this to me, it got me out of my duality, right? So here I am projecting tobacco to be a specific, um, a specific point on that spectrum. And for me, the projection was bad. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I'm just like, that's so silly. I don't even really believe in right and wrong or good or bad at all much anymore. So it's just kind of silly to put those words to this experience. But yeah. I wasn't a fan, so here I am with the Baba asking me if I want to do if I want to smoke this cigarette. This I forget what they call it out there, um, but I was down, and I smoked this cigarette intentionally with them, and genuinely had such a profound, connected, spiritual experience. It really dropped me into my body, and I felt super grounded and simultaneously. Mm, like, uplifted, like, in a spirit realm at the same time. It really just (sighs) jolted me out of that projection that I had made, right? Another similar example is a few months later, I was in Peru doing this additional yoga training. And after the training, um, I did this leadership program um, at this small little community on the mountain. And it was very common for them to, first of all, it's very common all over Peru, but especially in this community, it was common to um, basically coca leaves, like what cocaine is derived from coca leaves, people would put them inside of their cheek and you suck on it and it gives you like energy. So they were doing that, which I definitely partook in. and also lots of fresh tobacco rolled cigarettes. And despite me having this like preconceived judgment, right? I found myself wanting to participate. And when I did choose intentionally to do that, I felt connected. I felt Reverence for I I had a new I was building cultivating a new dynamic with these substances that I had prior been very rigid about. I mean, dude, recently I smoked a literal nicotine vape. You know, super common these days, which I never fucking ever smoked. I would like mock people who smoked them. Okay, so again, this judgment lens. Smoked one of those. Hit one of those things laid on my bed and literally had like this beautiful like existential moment where I felt just blissed out and like I had a little visitation from my dog who passed away and I had this beautiful love-filled moment that was derived from these substances that I was a hater on and it's just these little moments that allow us to brings a little bit more softness, right? That gives us a little more spaciousness to be like, wow, I'm kind of a douche <laughs> for projecting my judgments. And again, tobacco, tobacco has been used for thousands of years. When I was in Egypt, I was blown away by the tobacco history and culture. Like it's fascinating. The ways that they would serve it was a whole ceremony and it was just like a beautiful offering and that's kind of something that i've been working with lately is reframing these judgments these program judgments that i have about certain things like substance is a great example and realizing that they're actually these beautiful gifts these beautiful little offerings like it takes people time, energy, effort, love to grow tobacco, to harvest tobacco, to you know ship it and sell it, and it's a whole fucking process. And we get caught up in our immediate judgments versus seeing it as a whole offering. Okay, so the blessing, and I say blessing, a little word I like to use to describe a blessing disguised as a lesson. So the blessing here is how can I become less rigid, softer, more flexible in my personal preferences and perceptions so that I can not only remove the judgments that I cast onto others, but also the ones that I cast onto myself, which ultimately gives myself permission and spaciousness to have these explorative moments. That ultimately give me a richer lens in which I see the world. I went from a projection to having a real life experience. And thus gained experiential wisdom about these substances. Which helped me better respect and even revere those very substances that I was casting out before. Because that's the thing. We all have a lens in which we perceive the world right derived from our childhood, our caregivers, our values, our beliefs, experiences, traumas, culture, and so on. And this lens colors the way in which we see the rest of our reality or even perceive the rest of our reality. In that way, we usually subconsciously expect others to perceive reality the same way as us through the same lens and color as us. And if or when they don't, we feel discomfort, perhaps even confusion. And that is when we cast judgment and project shame onto them, whether subconsciously or not, for not being on the same shit as us. Oftentimes we find ourselves leaning to one side of the spectrum Right. And sneering over at the other as if we have it all figured out already without typically without ever even having experienced the other side for ourselves. A great example of this that I'm not going to dive into right now is politics. Right. We often reside on one side of the spectrum and then we think that we know it all and we'll just cut that off there. And, and this is where the ego trap comes in, which we'll dive into more later. I want to bring up another example around substance. The first substance that I ever tried was cannabis. It fired off new synapses in the brain like all substances do, and I became in tune with deeper parts of myself weed gave me a richer lens in which I perceived the world and soon enough I became a habitual everyday smoker. It took me probably half a decade honestly before I realized I was smoking 24-7 and hardly even felt the effects anymore. It became more of like a hobby or a habit than the mind expansive tool that I had fallen in love with in the beginning. And so I started my journey of playing with tolerance and abstinence. I went from one side of the spectrum, which was fully indulgent, to the other side, which was abstaining. I would take long breaks, short breaks, and observe my patterns. I'd become more aware of when and why I wanted to smoke and this served me in how I wanted to approach it more intentionally in the future. It's a great example because when you pull away from a habit that your community still in, still indulges <laughs> indulges in, which is common, right? Because we tend to um, keep community that has similar, you know, beliefs and preferences as us. So when you when you pull away from a habit that your community still indulges in, you can often feel isolated. Sometimes the people around you project that they think. You're too good for them now, or oh, they've changed, or oh, they're holier than thou. And I just want to pause and offer anyone who's going through their own exploration of abstinence or sobriety right now some validation of courage. Like this, this is a courageous thing to do to stand up and do what you need to do for you in a room full of people who might not be doing the same. Don't let other people infringe on your process. I was often trolled for not wanting to smoke weed anymore. Just do it anyway, baby. You got this. Because here's the thing. Nothing is permanent and you owe no one anything. You don't have to stay sober forever and you don't have to stay intoxicated forever. This is your journey. You're the writer, director, and the star of the fucking show. But I digress. So as most of you know, I was traveling for a long while recently and during that time I was totally sober besides the occasional caffeine or craft cocktail. When I'm traveling, I'm so in awe of the unfamiliarity around me that as cliche as it sounds, I literally feel high on life. But let me tell you, (laughs) as soon as I got back to the States, literally within days, I was like, oh yeah, this is why I smoked weed. (laughs) Because when you're right back in the system, back in that routine rat race, everything feels totally underwhelming and mundane. And of course it makes sense to want to spice things up a little with your preferred substance. Okay. I want to share something I wrote when I got back to America recently and decided to smoke weed again for the first time. Yesterday I intentionally sat with mama marijuana again for the first time something I'm drawn to do when I need guidance outside myself. Yet I always feel apprehensive to smoke again because it's a slippery slope towards my own abusive tendencies. But also, and more importantly, it feels like medicine, more like I'm receiving direct downloads from my highest self. And this can feel intimidating. Sometimes I don't want to hear what she has to say. It feels like she's holding a stern yet maternally loving mirror up for me in all my blind spots, and I've been avoiding her. She gave me what I came for, all the insights I didn't want to but had to hear. Then she put me into my body and I flowed inside of it like a distant memory. Vicious yet familiar munchies followed and then came some of the most vivid dreams I've had in a long time. It's taken me a while to cultivate the relationship I have with different plant medicines and mind-altering substances. Through lots of trial and error, error, ego, escapism, curiosity, patience and practice... I like where I am within this realm, and yet I'm always leaning in and out and learning. I don't do things I used to do every day, and I do things now that I said I never would. It's all an ebb and flow in which we get to orchestrate our experience through abstinence, indulgence, and observation. I believe they are all tools of self-discovery, and through that, we discover each other. As we deepen our dynamic with the self, we deepen our dynamic with the source, slowly redefining how we choose to show up in the world there's no right or wrong way to do this silly little life all i hope is that you choose the path of least resistance and most integrity and so here is that spectrum i keep mentioning the one of abstinence and indulgence and then simply observing where you lie upon it and the impact it has on you without shoulds or shame Now, during that first smoke sesh, I made a a pact that I would only smoke once a week when I actually needed it, so I could keep like this teacher-student relationship with the weed versus a more casual one that I had in the past. I kept that going for about five weeks until I decided to start microdosing psilocybin, aka magic mushrooms. Once I started that, I no longer needed the support from the cannabis. Now I wanna pause and address the psilocybin. Because mushrooms and psychedelics get a bad rep on that spectrum, right? They're often pushed to the dark, bad, evil, whatever side of the spectrum, like most substances are. But mushrooms and other psychedelics literally changed my fucking life. I don't know who I would be without them. These substances literally light up new parts of the brain that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. And again... Add a profound richness to the lens in which you perceive the world. So many global ideas, epiphanies, and some of the best art and writing come from intoxicated minds. (laughs) I owe so much of my growth and healing to psychedelics, and yet, probably because they were such nourishing, enriching life tools, I eventually abused my usage of them to the point where my tolerance was so high, what a once radically shifted my whole reality, Alice in Wonderland style. I hardly felt at all anymore. Similar to my cannabis use. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I hear this is often the case with people who do drink coffee every day. Next thing you know, they need like three espressos just to fucking go to work. You know what I'm saying? It's the same. It's the same situation. So anyway, I had a point in my life about eight years ago where I consciously chose to abstain from substance and slowly over the course of becoming more intentional with my life in general, but especially with substance specifically, I redeveloped a more sacred dynamic with them. When I, choo- when I chose to do the micro dosing recently, which was like 0.1 of a gram um, of psilocybin every three days. So on... On for one day, and then off for two days, and then back on for one day. That was the regime. I hadn't taken psychedelics but a handful of times over the the previous half decade. Um, But microdosing has been proven to reduce anxiety, depression, stress, improve overall mood and cognitive function and mindfulness. If you tuned into my last episode of the travel series, the integration blues episode, I spoke on how isolating and disconnective the return after long travel can be, especially solo travel. I felt out of place and quite honestly depressed as fuck when I got back. And after a couple months of feeling really low, I decided to try this microdosing method out. Dude, it was like I was having therapy with my higher self and spirit guides every three days and then had two days to process it all in between. Five weeks later, I was literally back to my regulated state in my body, mind, and spirit. Praise be. My point in sharing this anecdote is that if we are too busy occupying a particular part of the spectrum through the lens of judgment, we are simultaneously limiting our own access to the benefits. Had I been perceiving psychedelics through the lens of this is bad, I wouldn't have even considered it as an option to my healing. Psychedelics and most all-mind-altering substance get a bad rep and are thrown to the bad or dark side of the spectrum of duality, and that's simply not fair. A spectrum isn't about morality. That's such a human thing to do. Label, label, judge, judge, judge. A spectrum just simply is. It just simply exists. Just like we can't say that being cold versus hot is good or bad and vice versa we can't say that being sober versus not is always ideal sometimes it needs to be cold so that we can experience snow and skiing and bonfires similarly sometimes we need to be elevated in consciousness through the support of substance so that we can experience a different apparatus of our mind and soul i want to share something else i wrote uh, a different time about substance. Let me pull that up. I have a bone to pick with my conscious community who sneers over at those who still like to party. Yeah, I'm pointing my finger because I believe spirit lives in joy, not shame. And I believe all of discipline is dope. So is play. And in many cases, it's all that play that pushed us towards our healing in the first place. Look, life is hard, dark, unexpected, nonlinear, and full of obstacles. And I assure you, all the radiant people in your life went through some sort of struggle and strife to arrive where they are now. Consciousness expands as we gain more experience and self-awareness develops. But when we lack awareness, we fall into shadow cycles. It takes a lot of relentless darkness to start seeing the light, first in subtle sparks and then with time and tenderness, a whole damn unwavering flame. This I know from experience. It's usually deceit, dishonesty, disconnection, or fumbling through toxic distractions until you reach the bottom of your own bullshit. Then a whole lot more patience, persistence, and unconditional self-love to pull yourself back out, trading chaos for clarity. Remember those days, running from anything that expected too much, hurt too much, or simply felt too much? Because escaping was easier and a lot more comfortable than gazing into the abyss of your own messy shadow. So hey, this one's for you. Pour one out for a former version of you, baby, and then take a sip for yourself. That's right. Wellness coach here saying, give yourself a break. Stop judging your joy. You deserve to shamelessly let the fuck loose. Wild out once in a while, not because you've fallen off, but quite simply the opposite. You've learned about balance, about duality. You've learned that play, dance, and ecstatic moments are of the most high. And that dabbling in whatever brings you back into that state of surrender, whether it be a spontaneous road trip, splurging on your favorite musician, or popping bottles, dude, just do it. Because spirit chooses no sides, sees no color, has no preference. Spirit chooses you when you live in your most high, however that may look. So here's permission to go get lit. Go turn up. You fucking deserve it. So what do these spectrums I've mentioned all have in common? It's an observation or exploration of abstinence and indulgence. And as we grow and learn and unlearn, we get to test the waters of what works for us. Life is not linear. Healing is not linear. So we need to, we need to give ourselves grace. We cannot be on all the time. Sometimes we need to be easy and let loose and become flexible to receive the downloads just as much as we sometimes need to be rigid and disciplined. We need to take what we need when we need it and let go of what we don't need when we don't need it anymore. And before I switch subjects real quick, I just want to highlight how substances get a bad rep again. I have friends who think drinking or smoking or whatever is negative and unattractive etc i just want to offer the perspective that it takes a lot of time energy effort education and intention to grow good weed coming from colorado with a culture super abundant in cannabis with tons of grower friends this is a fact the same can be said about beer right i mean i brew my own kombucha so i know how much goes into each step of the process and it's literally like this beautiful gift that I'm creating, this offering that I'm making. It's the same, except even more complex for a good tasty craft beer. And don't get me started on the intricacies of growing mushrooms. My point is, it's easy to make broad judgments, but really each of those things are a beautiful offering someone, usually more than one person, has made for us. It's creation. It's a gift. And surely... All of it can be abused, but if you remove that factor and just view the offering for what it is as itself, it's fucking beautiful. It's an intentional masterpiece, and that's just some food for thought. Okay, so another great example of spectrums and duality is diet and exercise. Sometimes we go our whole lives without really moving our bodies. Then we sign up for the gym or maybe a dance class or rock climbing or whatever, And so many new synapses are firing and so much serotonin is released, compounded with the physical aspects of getting leaner and stronger, etc, that we literally get addicted to these practices. And if we're not careful, sometimes we go a little overkill. We start to compare and compete and can even injure ourselves without proper rest or repair of the muscles. A great personal example I have about overkill is if you listen to the last episode um, on my experience getting arrested at a BLM protest, you learn that I was heavily assaulted and was experiencing PTSD and had a bunch of physical injuries as well as emotional and mental and so forth. When I got back to Colorado about a month later, um, keep in mind it was COVID and I didn't have access to like therapy or um just like even um like the emergency room was closed when i was out there like massage wasn't accessible to me all these things that i needed to heal weren't very accessible well when i got back to colorado i went crazy on therapies dude like i bought an acupuncture package i bought a massage package chiropractic um talk therapy you name it (laughs) breath work i did as much as i could because i knew i was just that was not okay and i was just really going overboard and i remember telling one of my therapists about this and they were like amazing love that for you that's fantastic like you're obviously taking this seriously and we love to see you value valuing your health and also when was the last thing you did something for fun (laughs) and it really fucking hit me i was like damn you're not wrong I got hella consumed with the idea of healing that I was neglecting play and I was neglecting relaxation and fun Um, and so I literally took that as like a prescription and made a point to go out at least once a week to like a little sushi date, happy hour, whatever, hang out with friends and just prioritize you know R&R and joy and pleasure and play and it did fucking wonders. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's my personal example of how we can get caught up in the thick of it. Okay, or, or let's take diet, for example. We can get super caught up in a particular eating regime, whether that be vegan, raw, keto, omni, etc, to the extent that it becomes low-key religious in nature. <laughs> and next thing you know, you are literally preaching the axis of the spectrum you occupy as if it's the only tried and true way to exist. We've all heard the indoctrinated diet diehards. And this is simply not true because all bodies are different. What's right for you is not necessarily right for me. That same concept can be applied to Yes, exercise, diet, but also substance use, religion, and basically everything else in existence. There is no one-size-fits-all way to live. Seemingly healthy habits can just as easily lead to imbalance through the guise of self-care. And we need to be equally aware of these vices as we are the ones that are typically branded bad, dark, or unhealthy. And that's kind of the whole point to this episode. We are allowed to coexist unapologetically within both sides of the duality simultaneously. There is no one overarching answer or panacea. There is just as many right ways to exist as there are are human beings in the world. My exploration of vegetarianism is a great example of what led me to be a more open-minded and flexible human. (laughs) I started off making a list of my vices several years ago, or actually I was more so making a list of things I wanted to try more. And I wanted to try like meatless Mondays or like just eating less meat or whatever. So I did what I do, which is try something for one week because anything's possible for seven days, right? Baby steps. Anyway, by day eight, I was like, okay, wait, that was actually pretty chill and basically continued that on for five years or so. During that time, I was super committed and even lean vegan most of the time. However, I more so considered myself plant-based versus any of these other labels because I didn't resonate with that yucky kind of vegan badge that people wore. It again, felt very rigid and confining and judgmental. And although I did eat mostly vegan, I didn't want to box myself into the label of it. Well, during that time, my older brother also went veg and eventually vegan, but I'm talking like balls to the wall vegan vibe. And I'll never forget the time that he came to my house and ripped me a fucking new one for still eating eggs. And I had some raviolis that had cheese in them. And he literally lectured me, put me down, literally berated me as if I was the fucking antichrist. And it was in that moment, I say moment, but it was literally like an eight hour long torture chamber that I realized I never in my life wanted to make someone else feel that way. I never wanted to make anyone feel shame for not living up to my personal preferences and my personal practices and standards. So that along with, I'd say travel, really helped me soften and become more flexible Flexible here. Although I still to this day, even as an omni, love to find dank veggie spots around the world. Shout out Happy Cow. If you guys don't know about happycow.net, game fucking changer. You can find veg food literally all over the world with this um, website or app, whatever you prefer. Simply because I feel veggie food is often more creative and healthy and delicious. So yeah, I still love eating veg, um, and finding these fun veg restaurants. I decided I wanted to be more open to eating animal products in circum- circum- <laughs> certain circumstances. Um, and this stemmed from, I would say, my travels. Um, I realized that I wanted to be more open to eating omni- in different cultural settings, in different religious settings, if someone like poured their heart and soul into preparing it for me, if it was locally sourced or hunted by the family I was with or a friend of mine, um, so on. I realized that there was a bunch of variables for me. and It wasn't steadfast. And I wanted to honor that greatness of the spectrum that I was landing on without shoulds or shame. Because there was a point where I felt guilty for wanting to try local cultural dishes. I remember specifically being vegetarian in Hawaii and literally there was nothing on the menu that was vegetarian. I was going to get a side of fucking rice, but even the rice ended up having ham pieces in it. And I was like super in this judgmental space and I was feeling really down on myself. I was having a negative experience. Let's just put it this way. I was not having a fucking happy-go-lucky meal. And then I realized I actually genuinely did want to try the local dishes, but I was just shooting and shaming myself so bad um, about it that I was limiting my experience. And it was actually in that moment that I did order something off the menu. I forget it was maybe pork or something. All I needed to do was try. I just tried a few bites. I think it was off of my dad's plate and I didn't even need to have more than that, but I felt really good that I, that I tried it. And then I was like fulfilled. Um, But removing that shame piece and like oh I shouldn't do this because I thought I was a vegetarian so like that would be super wrong or like people might judge me or whatever the script was at that time um but anyway yeah there was this point where I felt guilty for even wanting to try these dishes and I realized I'd rather consume the animal itself than continuously shove the shame down my fucking throat And so again, let's name the recurring theme within these examples. Oftentimes we are living life on autopilot. We might not be aware of alterna- alternative ways of living because we grew up and became used to certain habits, hobbies, practices, and programming due to our surroundings and our community and our parents and so on. That's just the way we We're raised, that's just who we were. But over time, we grow up, we move out, and we might magnetize new modes of thought or ways of living into our sphere that intrigue us. Then we have this phase of exploring that spectrum for ourselves, right? Oftentimes we go radically from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other. So yeah, like I went from like full omni eating meat, probably three meals a day to like, I'm a vegetarian now. And you're just exploring the confines of, or maybe not the confines is a good word, but you're breaking out of the confines of this um, spectrum, right? You're exploring it. It's almost like a detox of sorts. You need to get that full range of motion to really have the experiential wisdom. So we might go from being a total virgin who was indoctrinated from an early age that sex is evil and bad, then suddenly go through our well-deserved ho phase exploring our sexuality. Or we might be a heavy die-hard diehard eat, uh, meat eater and then switch over to this Nazi elite veganism that preaches and pokes at everyone else for not being where they're at, right? So, yeah. I'm using these extreme examples um, with such stark contrast to, to paint... The, the common picture that sometimes we need to bounce between either side of the spectrum for as long as we need before we become more open and flexible. Once we get the full experience, we are able to pick and pull what truly resonates with us and then integrate it into our most authentic being based off of what actually works for us versus what we think or we were told should work for us. A quick and almost embarrassing, embarrassing example of this is my personal water intake. So I used to drink whatever water I was given. I didn't really have a preference, like back to that autopilot metaphor, right? Then when I was going through my little spiritual awakening, I mentioned, I learned that the only living water that exists is from a spring. Everything else, literally even like the fanciest water um, filters, It's been treated. And so the water is dead. It's not living anymore. So literally since that moment, I decided to only drink spring water. I was like fully committed and disciplined to only drinking spring water. Like to the extent that I would literally rather dehydrate myself and go thirsty as fuck for hours than drink tap water. Okay, if I wish you could see me because I'm like giving the biggest eye roll right now. Like that's literally embarrassing. And don't get me wrong, I still value and prefer spring water but and, you know, filtered water and so forth. But after a lot of experience, especially during my travels, I realized, A, many people don't even have access to any clean water. You can't drink the tap if you wanted to. And B, because of this, you always have to purchase water bottles. So there's the, you know, the um the plastic aspect of that um and the water bottles by by the way are typically not spring water it's usually just filtered treated water anyway um and also ice it's rare that you'll even fucking get ice because of the same reason like they don't have access to tap water so or or water that's you know healthy to consume so they're not really fucking making ice ice is like a hot commodity um <laughs> So, okay, what I'm getting at is by the time that I got back to the to America, I saw tap water from a new lens. Like, look at this abundance. Look at this fucking privilege. Water from the tap that's safe for me to consume. I could literally open my mouth in in the shower if I wanted to. I don't have to like cause when you're in the shower out in most in most countries, if you let the water trickle into your mouth when you're showering, you could you can get a fucking virus. Like it's not safe to consume. So anyways, I'm like, wow, look at, look at this blessing, right? Um, I formed a new relationship with water, especially with tap water, a more lenient stance and a higher appreciation. I'm blessed right now in my current living situation um, with, a, with a Kangen water filter, which is literally one of the most bougie, most expensive, best quality filters you can get. Um, but I use it from this new lens, one of immense gratitude and privilege and a, and even a sort of personal jest like I literally will tell people do you want to fill your water bottle with our fancy bougie water and like kind of this playfulness with it versus I don't know maybe previous versions of myself would be <laughs> very like I don't know I don't even know if I want to go there but more playful and less rigid and stern of like, we have this water and like, it's better for you for all these ways. And like, we, our water is elite. And like, even though I never meant to come off elitist in my ways or my language in the past, I can see now that it's kind of, again, and we'll come to this soon enough, it's kind of part of the ego trap we get caught up in our new ways of living and just project them onto others or project our way of talking, of living, of drinking water. And like, it can come off holier than thou. It can come off elite. Um. Anyway, so this, this jest vibe, this playfulness kind of helps keep me in check and make light of the situation if you will. And that making light and making fun theme keeps coming up for me actually as I step away from the extremes of the spectrum I used to occupy. Have you ever seen that advanced spirituality starter pack meme thing? It's like I forget it's like half the screen is crystals and tarot cards and like fucking heady water and yoga poses or whatever and it's like beginner spirituality pack and then the the little square underneath it is like advanced starter a spirituality pack and it is I think it's like um what is it it's like a cigarette and I don't know a beer or some shit but it's basically poking fun it's making light that when we're first on our spi- spiritual journey we're all like oh my god Everything has to be pure. Everything has to be love and light. Everything has to be this particular way. Um, and then this this jest, this meme is basically saying like, and then as you grow spiritually, you realize none of that shit matters. You're constantly connected to spirit. Um, and it doesn't matter if you fucking smoke weed or cigarettes or drink a beer. Um, and a- another part of the joke is... The more you, I think, personally, what I take from it is the more you know, right? The more you know, like, ignorance is bliss, right? So the more you know, the more you need a fucking, the more you need a blunt, the more you need a beer, because shit gets real. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of find humor in the extremity of some of the spiritual spaces I used to hold in such high regard, or even the language I used to speak, I'll even see social media posts I've written from years ago on that little Facebook time hop thing and literally cringe some of the things that I would say. Not that I don't agree with what I was saying, but more so the way in which I was saying it or the fervency behind the why in me believing it to be true, if that makes sense. You could kind of feel that spiritual elitism that I'm referencing, kind of like, The water example, where most humans don't have access to clean water, let alone spring water. To be honest, most humans don't have access to some of these esoteric topics and modes of thought. Okay, so I don't mean like intellectually, because obviously I believe all beings have equal ability to tap into their deep into consciousness. Instead, what I'm trying to say is you take me, a white person in America, I am fucking privileged in every sense of the word. And because of where I was born and the body that I occupy, I have more access to resources or free time or to try things like yoga or go to music festivals or Or purchase vegan foods or organic foods or take psychedelics and so forth. That is kind of a privilege of mine. Um, I mean, even, even literacy itself is a privilege. Not everyone has access to literacy, for fuck's sake. And so in that way, some of these spiritual concepts that I learned through those practices that I just named are literally less accessible to, if we're talking from like a global sense, the common person. And in that way, I cringe at my previous posts because not only are the topics themselves esoteric, but the frou-frou language that I'm using is so quantum and in the clouds that some people, most people, even my fellow fucking friends in my same city, same community, same country, whatever can't even fucking understand me (laughs) and that's when that that's you know whether intentionally or not can that's when you can come off arrogant or or even condescending I've literally had friends tell me that they would read my post or just get into regular conversation with me in person and they would say that they although they felt some sort of truth and resonance with what I was trying to convey the words and the language that I was using was confusing as hell for them. And it just simply was not landing. And, and what's what's the fucking point in even speaking if people can't understand or connect to your message? So even if we're not intending to be inaccessible or elitist, we can accidentally get caught up. We become oblivious to how we are being perceived. Yet we're so excited about what we're doing and learning that we project our path onto the people around us, even if they're not available for it or even interested in it. I will say, though, with these same few friends that I'm referencing, after they went through their own spiritual journey, They would come back and be like, oh, that's what you meant by XYZ. It totally clicks now. And I I mentioned this because I just want to name your vibe attracts your tribe, right? You attract the people, places, and things of where you are at when you need them. So no, not everyone will always understand you. And you don't need to make all of your messages digestible for the rest of the world. Who's supposed to hear your messages will hear it. So do not be discouraged. Just be aware. There will always be someone who understands your message. There will always be someone who needs your offering and there will always be community who mirrors your particular part of the journey. Just trust your path and your own process. Just wanted to make sure there was validation there because so you know, you're not wrong for speaking in the dialect in the tone in the way that is being channeled fucking through you it's hella fucking valid yeah not everyone's gonna understand and that's okay that's okay i'm just bringing it to awareness (laughs) that maybe several years down the line you'll be like damn that was a bit quantum and so when i say when i talk about the path i just want to use this example that i love using Imagine life as a mountain, okay? And we're all on this mountain. That's that's life. <laughs> and you can get to the top, the peak. And some people wake up at 4 a.m. They pack their little backpack. They put on their fucking hiking shoes. They drive over the over to the mountain. They get there before sunrise so they can beat the sun. And they are full charge ahead fucking sasquatching it up to the fucking mountain peak okay that's their fucking mission like that's all they that's that's all they're up to you know what I'm saying that's their mission then there's other people who literally they just pull up at like 11 maybe noon and they're literally taking this other trail this side trail that goes around to this little creek and they just set up a hammock and they read for the afternoon or maybe this other crew Comes around fucking 5pm, they take this middle trail, this completely other trail, and they go, they do hike to the peak. When they get to the peak, though, they get a sunset view, and they may have even packed a roadie. They They got a fucking trail beer in their backpack, and they are sharing a cheers on the top of the mountain. All these people on the same fucking mountain, all these people's paths lead to the same peak but they're taking different trails and they're at different speeds and they're doing their own fucking thing and none of them is better or worse right or wrong they're just doing their own fucking thing i will say though sometimes those gung-ho folks who are there you know early as balls in the morning by the time they're they're you know it's like noon or 1 p.m. and they're at the peak, they get a bird's eye view, and again here's where that ego trap here's that here's that where here's where that accidental condescending energy might come from is they're like let's say they're up at the peak and they're looking down bird's eye view at the other trails and they see homie in the hammock, or so and so drinking the beer over here on this rock, and they might have judgments. Or at least comparisons, right? Like, oh, these people really took their sweet time, or oh, looks like they're, you know, they're hiking in the, the hottest part of the day, whatever. <laughs> pulling the shit out of my ass. But they might have their own projections because they have this uh, bird's eye view perspective, okay? And this is what I mean about the spiritual elitism. It's sometimes an ego trap, right? And at the same time, typically people, it's usually the case, especially on a spiritual journey, that people don't mean to be operating from that lens. It's just a fucking subconscious patterning of being human. The ego just fucking exists, dude. But no path is better than the other, they are just simply different. It's like a choose your own adventure novel. You get to decide how you approach life and you get to change the route at any given point. So say you're on the, you know, you're over there in the hammock and suddenly you're like, actually, I want to go to the peak. Let's fucking go. You can bolt to the top. No one's holding you back. It's your own adventure. Just like the spectrum itself, you get to change where you fall in it at any given moment. None of this is steadfast. And that's where the silliness and the sarcasm and the joy and the playfulness and the flexibility and acceptance comes back in. Because when we let go of the shoulds and the shames and the expectations and the projections, that's when the compassion comes forward. We have more compassion for ourselves and our process, but also for others on the path as well. Because you can see the spectrum more fully And remember where and who you were at different points within it. So similarly, like when you're on that mountain peak path or whatever and you're looking back down and you see someone at this like really steep like ridge where you have to like climb kind of mountain climb a bit and you remember how hard it was for you like an hour back but you're like seeing little dots on the mountain of people doing it and you like have compassion for it. You're like, oh my God, there they are. They're on the fucking death rocks or whatever. Right? So we have this compassion because we have this experience. Excuse me. So this more flexi, compassionate, accepting version of self is the integrated version of self. It's the more embodied version of self who has the experiential wisdom on all sides of duality, all sides of the spectrum, who is actively and intentionally picking and choosing what best resonates with them in this now, in this now, this now, right now, because again, you are not obliged to show up in any particular way at any given time. You are making the rules for yourself. There are no fucking rules. You're the leader of your own life, right? So maybe this time you woke up at 4 a.m., you did the fucking bolt to the top. Maybe next time you want to fucking have beers by the creek. Whatever. You get to choose. This is not steadfast. You don't have to fucking book it to the top of the mountain peak every time you take this hike, right? So for example, a fun little example um, of just being flexible in our practices uh, <laughs> When i first got into tarot and like oracle decks i'd never done it before right so i was super intentional and i really wanted to learn how to do it and like blah blah so i had this really specific method of shuffling the cards a certain way and then like spreading them out a certain way and choosing them a certain way like i wanted to hover my hand around it my eyes were closed like this it's a scene a sight to see you know like me picking the cards (laughs) like oh my god this girl's over here like channeling the cards but over time, like several years down the way, I, I realized something came into me. I developed this inner sense of trust. I went from splaying the deck out, like I said, and hovering my hands to find the right card to simply like just shuffling the deck and then splitting the deck with my intention. And then knowing that when I split the deck, that right message would be on the top. I didn't have to do all this other shit. I knew that all I had to do was show up with intention and the right card would show itself to me. So that to me is an example of an integrated version of myself who became more flexible and more intuitive with my connection to spirit. Like it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to um, you know, be performed a certain way for me to get the right message from spirit. I could just trust that it was going to show up if, if my intentions were right. It's in this grounded embodied state that we give ourselves and thus others permission to play in both worlds. We literally do not have to choose a side. Another example, a really important example. Um, so in the midst, like deep in the thick of me doing all those spiritual adventures that i was naming earlier um my mom passed away and i have a sister who shares the same mom and we we've actually never lived together we're half sisters and after our mom passed away i was traveling i was in asia and i told my sister well she actually reached out to me and said she wasn't doing the best but she was kind of struggling and she doesn't have many people in her life, you know, like, <sighs> it was like her big sis and her like, I mean, my mom was never really there for either of us the whole time. But I was like an adult figure for her. I'm 10 years older than her. Anywho, I said, if I come back to America, would you want to live with me? So she was hesitant at first, but she agreed. And so I pick her up, go to her graduation, and we drive across the country. And it kind of hits me. Because you're all, you're, 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 again, you're perceiving the world through the lens in which it colors your life. Like these are, this is your reality and you're seeing, you're seeing it through your own personal lens, right? And so I didn't really understand where my sister was at in comparison to me because I was in my own shit. Again, it's like that autopilot thing. She's in her own shit, I'm in my own shit, and we're projecting out our realities through our own lens because that's all we know. And again, I just want to pause to say that's typically why that elitism energy comes through is because you are constantly projecting what you think to be true, what you know to be true, what works for you, and if it's not what works for someone else, it can come off shitty. It can come off elitist. And that's pretty much what happened. So my story is that on the drive over here to Colorado, it really fucking hit me. Damn, we are literally not only 10 years apart, but just completely different, you know, different parts of that trail that I was just telling you about, right? We're, you know, she's doing one thing and I'm doing another. We're not on the same fucking path. We have different, we have such different personalities and preferences. And But what we do have in common is our core values and beliefs okay so we we've always just been similar in that sense but then totally different people on the outside and if you know me in real life you know what I'm talking about with my little sis we are super similar in many ways and also polar opposites but it didn't hit me until we were like in the car didn't really hit me but here's this the anecdote I'm trying to share is um so when we finally landed that first day We went shopping, right? Like grocery shopping and like house shopping to buy laundry detergent and this and that. And I being so deep in my little like spiritual, woke, fucking sustainable journey, I was projecting all my preferences onto her and us and our house. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this organic thing and this all natural, whatever and this and that. And I, I think that I'm just doing the best I can for myself, my sister and the world. Okay. Now, unbeknownst to me, when we got home, my sister was super fucking upset. And when we had a sit down, this was literally our first and only fight, literally our first and only fight. It's beautiful to think because once we broke through those layers and we understood each other, it was smooth sailing from there. But anyways, what happened was she told me that she basically shared like, along the lines but in different words like do I think I'm better than her because I want this particular like all natural hand soap and like I'm like she basically gave me the feedback that the way that I was coming off about what I wanted to buy was condescending and made her feel like shit and that her shit wasn't good enough and when I explained where I was coming from like dude oh my god didn't mean to make you feel that way I'm just over here thinking that I'm like purchase by purchase helping to like vote with my dollar and save the world in like these small fucking ways as much as I can. And like, I'm just trying to take care of, you know, our bodies and whatever, you know, the dialogue was at that time. Um, but after that, I took a totally hands off approach to our living situation. And Here's my sister being like total fucking like bad bougie bitch fucking listening to rap music fucking going to fancy restaurants and like just being pristine and like just perfect <laughs> in her own ways, right? And I'm over here being like the passion, meditation, and yoga, and like hairy armpits and like hippy dippy whatever okay and then so we're like these polar opposite energies coexisting with the bond of like core values and beliefs and of course sistership and like we 2 don't really have parents or any family in our life so we became each other's like unit and we just really share this like close fucking bond but what i'm trying to say is um us coexisting in that way like It helped me remember my Bay Area fucking roots and shit. And like, instead of being surrounded by this very like, love and light community. And like, even though I I was, I had her immediate influence. And then she had her, you know, community that was different than mine, of course. But then she also had the influence of me in our home as well. That's like again, 10 years older and like talking about emotional intelligence and trauma and fucking using certain verbiage and like cooking certain ways and whatever. And we had this like just juxtaposition in the home, but it rubbed off in this fucking beautiful way, like such a beautiful way. It basically, because I love my sister so much, even though she was so different than me, it it created that flexibility that i've been referencing in this episode of just like it went from me being like i want to live in a house where we only use natural products and we only buy organic and we only xyz and like rigid you think you're coming you think you're coming from a place of like health and like intention and consciousness and you are and you're trying your best and you're also being so rigid that you're confining yourself and the people around you to a particular preference and, and um, standard that they might not be subscribing to. And so that's not fair. Anyways, so it created this flexibility within me. And then it also created this cool synergy between us where all of a sudden she starts coming home without like without me... It was just me leading by example, if you will. And same with her. Her just existing in her essence rubbed off on me and like I came back into certain I like embodying certain aspects of myself that maybe I pushed aside while I was you know on this side of duality and then I was also simultaneously introducing her to the other side of this duality and it just rubbed off in this really beautiful way on both sides and like just the other day I was like having dinner with her and like with her and her friends and she's like let's go around and say what we're grateful for and I was just like oh my god that is so fucking cute my fucking heart I don't think she would typically have done that you know or like she never used to eat veggies and then all of a sudden she's like trying to she's trying the brussels sprouts I made and now she like loves them and She comes home and she's like, when so-and-so triggered me and then this trauma came up. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. I don't have to force my shit on someone for them to pick up what resonates with them. Right? So it was just the most beautiful, perfect display of how we can just show up as we are, as our integrated, most authentic selves. And that alone has impact on the people around us and again same with her her showing up in her bad bitch bougie self bounced off of me and I uh you know and now I'm over here singing Meg the Stallion and I'm over here fucking getting my nails done and like embodying that fucking essence as well oh just love that example my heart <laughs> I love my sister um okay so i said i was going to touch on the ego traps so let's explore that for a second an obvious and reoccurring theme through this concept is casting judgment and projecting our preferences and expectations onto others this is when the ego comes rearing its ugly head into what we otherwise thought was our healing process it's like a double-edged sword that keeps us from truly evolving so let me read some examples of ego traps If you think it is more spiritual to ride a bike to work or use public transportation, but then find yourself judging anyone who drives a car, you're in an ego trap. If you think it's more spiritual to stop watching television because it rots your brain, but then find yourself judging those who still watch TV, you're in an ego trap. If you think it's more spiritual to avoid reading gossip, tabloid, or news magazines, but then find yourself judging those who read those things, you're in an ego trap. If you think it's more spiritual to listen to classical music or soothing nature sounds, but then find yourself judging those who listen to mainstream or pop music, you're in an ego trap. If you think it's more spiritual to do yoga, become a vegan, buy organic, buy healing crystals, practice reggae, meditate, wear hippie thrift shop clothing, visit ashrams, read enlightened spiritual books, but then you judge anyone who doesn't do those things, you are in an ego trap. Always be aware of the feeling of superiority. Self-righteous superiority is your biggest clue that you are in an ego trap. The ego loves to sneak in the back door. It will take a noble idea like starting up yoga and then twist it to serve its own ends by making you feel superior to others. You will start to look down on those who are not following your righteous spiritual path. Superiority, judgment, and condemnation. That is the ego trap. (coughs) Again, Sometimes we get so excited by what works for us because, dude, healing is addictive in itself, for real, that we become so allured and indoctrinated by our own path and our own preferences that we've convinced ourselves it's the only way. It's not necessarily malicious. In fact, most people, like I said, on a spiritual journey are coming from their heart space, but the ego is a tricky fucking devil that sometimes... Infiltrates our good intentions. I just want to take a moment to pause and also say it's absolutely okay and actually really important to find your own personal edge and cultivate boundaries along this journey. If you don't want to eat animal products, drink alcohol, or spend your time watching TV, you're totally allowed and encouraged to get clear on those needs. You're allowed to make requests and draw boundaries for yourself, and you're totally allowed to be rigid in those needs for as long as you need. Like I said, oftentimes we go radically in the the opposing direction if we are really trying to commit to a new way of life, and I support you there. Like, it's necessary. I'm just offering the insight that eternal rigidity carries just as much imbalance as eternal flexibility. And in the end, finding what works for you within that spectrum is the most sustainable over time and what allows you to relax into your integrated, embodied, truest self. Think of the yin-yang symbol. It needs a little dot of both the the, the white and the black on either side to remain in perfect harmony. And that's what's beautiful about duality. It's that it literally cannot exist without its opposition. You cannot experience hot without experiencing cold. You cannot experience up without experiencing down. You can experience light without experiencing the dark. You need them for either to exist. You need both. And being human means exploring that. You may have heard the term light worker. I remember really resonating with it when I first embarked on my own spiritual journey. It basically means actively illuminating yourself and the world with your, quote, light or love. Here, That's where that love and light term comes through or good vibes only. Yikes, don't mind me while I cringe. Now, don't get me wrong, I still stand behind this concept Every fucking day. The way we show up in the world makes lasting ripples. Treat people how you want to be treated, right? But there was a missing piece to it. A piece that we were majorly bypassing. Just as much as you are a light worker, you are simultaneously a shadow worker. Alchemizing the deepest, darkest, most painful parts of who you are by loving those pieces just as much, if not more than the dainty peaceful and positive ones sure it's easy to love someone who's always positive or to be at peace when everything's in order but the true test of life is how we show up when things are a total fucking human mess because that's where love is needed the most that's where healing is needed the most in the deep dark pit of it all that's where the transmutation takes place As a former member of the love and light community, I'm here to say one simply does not exist without the other. We need that shadow slayer, Kali medicine, and self-compassion for our humanness spotted with the pain and unattractive programming to truly become whole. I actually wrote something up about duality that I wanna share. Maybe life isn't just about ascension and becoming light-filled. Maybe it's about grounding both feet equally into the duality of this reality, standing tall in the fullness of our internal spectrum. It's easy to slip into our shadow side, to be engulfed in sensory compulsions and sink into the capacity of our darker tendencies. And yet, similarly, it can be just as simple to push all of that edgy shadow so deep down, we completely detach from identifying with it altogether maybe even cultivating shame and discomfort around these pieces. And I guess what I'm suggesting is, does squandering any part of yourself, whether light or dark, truly serve your highest good? Will disowning pieces of your wholeness genuinely contribute to your healing or only create more trauma around what you're rejecting? Does commitment to spirit always have to look rigid, disciplined, and reclusive? Does a life of free-flowing fun always have to feel brazen, mischievous, and irresponsible? Is the truer test not to renounce either side, but instead honor them both with equal vigor and respect? I know not who I am without both my light and my darkness. To choose one side would be untrue to me. Instead, I choose to embrace both very real aspects of my persona. I choose to love them both without discrimination or expectation. Life is a flirtatious dance of holding integrity while exploring what excites your innermost core. To judge what brings you joy is to close a door within your own heart. I see me swaying and flowing within this dynamic spectrum, connecting my soft and my hard, my hot and my cold, my sacred speech and my slang, my modesty and my downright seductivity, my prayer and my play. And when I honor all the many facets of myself, every moment becomes holy and sacred and true through the experiential lens, of unconditional acceptance and radical self-love we have all gone through so much recently again healing is not linear life is not linear the way you show up in the world is going to ebb and flow at the rate that life throws its curveballs and that's okay you do not have to be on all the time you are allowed to be variant I can say personally, I went from one of the most connected and grounded spaces I have ever been internally and externally. And then 2020 hit, along with a slew of challenges personally and fucking globally. And I became very loosey-goosey version of myself. That doesn't mean I fell off or I'm less worthy or that I'm less connected to spirit. It means that I'm human who is showing up to these obstacles with the resources that I have at any given moment. And that's when we get to observe and honor the duality of being fucking human. You're allowed to be a nerdy bookworm and a total spicy freak a You're allowed to get your nails or your lashes done or even your boobs done and grow out your armpit hair. You're allowed to be a big swole gym rat and a soft, emotionally intelligent sweetheart. You're allowed to be vegan and still smoke vapes. You're allowed to sit for hundreds of hours in meditation and have an OnlyFans. You're allowed to be a multifaceted being because that's what makes us human, our never-ending and unapologetic potentiality. We have no bounds, so try being as paradoxical as possible just to prove you fucking can, just to bust through those societal pressures and expectations. Just to say you did. It's all about contrast, baby. I don't know about you, but I like my cookies a little crispy on the outside and ooey gooey in the fucking center. And now I want cookies. (laughs) That's a wrap, my loves. Uh, Do me a favor. Follow, share, subscribe. Leave me a fucking comment or a rating or a view on SoundCloud, Spotify, or um, Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to show me love. I appreciate ya. I'll catch you on the flip side.